This morning, would you turn your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Psalms, and we're going to be in the 51st Psalm this morning, Psalm 51. There is a Bible app, a Bible on your Nova Community Church app, and there are um, notes there also in, in your worship bulletin and also on your Nova Community Church app. We have been in a summer series entitled God's Playlist, and it's all about the book of Psalms, and we're taking uh, one psalm every Sunday and working through the context and the history and the meaning of each of these sacred songs. And what we find in this book are 150, 150 songs, song lyrics, some stringed instruments, a little percussion, and tons of meaning. And so we've been enjoying this series on our staff. Historically, the book of Psalms was a songbook of the Jewish people. And these songs were sung on the way up to the temple and then on the way back. And there are also Psalms, Psalm 113 to Psalm 118 were meant to be sung during the Passover feast. They're great songs, 150 of them. We have songs today. Our songs today on the radio and on uh, digital music apps. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. I like a lot of different songs, but I'm not ashamed to admit that I like, every once in a while, I like songs with deep meaning and deep, deep emotion. Think of um, Celine Dion and uh, the Titanic song. Um, what's that called? Uh, my, my, uh, my heart will go on. Yeah, I love that song. It, re- remember that song. Um, and then um, classic rock journey. Didn't they sing the song faithfully, right? It's a deep, a song of deep emotion. And then um, I really liked, I was thinking about this this week, songs with deep emotion. Two uh, singers, Bonnie Raitt. I can't make you love me. Oh man, that is that's in a a deep song. Um, Bonnie Tyler, Total Eclipse of the Heart. You love that? Deep songs. And then of course you have your Adele, Rolling in the Deep. I mean those are those are some deep emotional songs. And it helps me. I I like those songs because it helps me to get in touch with this emotion that's sort of buried really deep in my heart. And um, today's psalm is one of those songs of deep emotion and of deep meaning. Psalm 51. Let me read it to you. We'll start in verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place, cleansing me with hyssop and 
and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, for you are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. It's God's word for us. We are jumping in. We are jumping into one of these songs with a lot of emotional depth and brokenness and despair. And if you're like me, there have been times and places in my life where I have crashed and burned. And there have been times, probably in your life, when you went off the rails and you have experienced a experienced the consequences of your actions. And that's what we're looking at today. But there's a story behind the music. There really is. Behind Psalm 51, and, and it, in, in my Bible, in, in my Bible, the one that I read, there is an introduction to Psalm 51. Not all the Psalms have this introduction, but there's an introduction, and it's here up on the screen. It probably has it in your Bible, too. Most Bibles have this. It makes it very clear. It's very detailed. It's, it says, for the director of music, <clears throat> a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Now there's the context right there. It's right off the bat. You know this song is going to be emotional. This is a psalm of David. It's a brutal and simple honesty that we find here in the Bible it's important to take note of. There's nothing covered up here. There's no sweeping these sins under the carpet. This is the same young man who was chosen to take on and defeat the giant Goliath. And that was a launching pad for his, his incredible leadership in his life. He was an undefeated warrior. And, and you could read all about this in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. In fact, write that in your notes this week. Read about this in 2 Samuel 11 and 12 for more. But the summary of this, the context of this, is this is a time when kings were at, went to war. All the men in the village, there wasn't a man in sight in the village because they were in the fight. But King David, for whatever reason, stayed home. King David was on his rooftop in the evening, putting himself in a compromising position, watching his neighbor's wife take a bath. The king knows Bathsheba, 
and he invites her over to his palace, and he takes advantage of her. In the weeks, or maybe even months later, Bathsheba goes and tells the king that she's pregnant. And David tries to put together a lie, concoct a lie, that makes the lie was that this unborn child was Bathsheba's husband, but that scheme doesn't work out for him. In the same hand, King David's hand, that wrote 73 of the 150 songs that we find in the book of Psalms, that same hand that wrote those sacred songs writes a note and gives it to his commanders. The note said, move Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, from the front li- to the front lines and have him killed in battle. David is guilty of rape and murder. And about a year later, after that baby was born, the king takes the widow Bathsheba and the child into his palace. And the whole village, the whole community, gushes over how tender and how compassionate, how merciful and loving this king is. Until Nathan knocks at the door. Nathan comes over to David, and he says, David, let me tell you a story. He says, David, outside the kingdom, there's a man who owns thousands of sheep. And nearby that man is a poor man. And that poor man saves all his money to buy one little lamb. The poor man raised that little lamb like one of his own. The little lamb ate from his table and drank from his cup. It was like one of his kids. Well, one day the rich man, with thousands of sheep, decides to throw a party. And he overlooks the thousands of his own livestock, and he goes to the poor man's home, takes his one little lamb, butchers it, and barbecues it for his party. And David says, that man must pay That man must die. And Nathan says to him, that man is you. And this is the story that leads up to Psalm 51. David says to Nathan after that, he says, I've sinned. And Nathan says, God has forgiven you. You know, if I asked you, how many of you believe that God forgives? Almost every hand here would would go up. And if I asked you, Has God forgiven your sin? Most hands would would go up. And if I asked, have you ever experienced the effects or the consequences of your forgiven sin? You would say yes. So, how do we get back on track after sin and after forgiveness? So let's take a look at Psalm 51 and talk about real life after forgiveness. The first thing we see here, we'll talk about it on this side of the cross, the power of the cross. In verses 1 and 2 in Psalm 51, it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David takes us right from the start. We all have times in our lives that we've really blown it. But the focus here is about two things. 
Notice here, the focus is on God's unfailing love, and it's about his great compassion. The Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. And because he knew God's heart, David knew God's heart was a heart of great love and of great compassion. David knew the character of God. And when we sin against God, sometimes we want to make our disobedience the forefront, the, the focus. Instead of the focus being on us, we need to shift that to the power of the cross. David knew God's character. It's something that we were shown by Jesus' death on the cross. It's not about this continual sacrifice of animals, but the sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God. And that's it. It's paid in full. And many times I'll talk with somebody struggling with being forgiven by God. And I talk to him about the compassionate love of God, his unfailing love. And a lot of times I'll hear this. They'll say to me, well, you don't understand what I've done. And I, and I think, well, I don't really know all that you've done, but it, at this point it really doesn't matter because you need to understand the power of the cross. Would you ever, think about this, would you ever say to Jesus, your death on the cross was not good enough for me? I, I, don't, think, I don't think any of us could say that. And that's why this psalm is so important. It's about real life. It's about forgiveness. And it, it's, it's about what David did. And according to our current culture with what David did, it's considered the worst criminal behavior, rape and murder. You can't out the cross. It's enough. And you don't need more of that. The cross takes care of everything. It's about the power of the cross. The second thing we find in life after forgiveness is, number two, when your relationship with God is broken, what do you do? In verses 3, 4, and 5 of Psalm 51, David writes, For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Now, in reading these verses here, does something bother you here? Because it really bothered me in verse 4. If you look at verse 4, it says, Against you, you only, God, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Now this bothers me a little bit. Because I think, what would Bathsheba think about this? What would Uriah, Uriah's family, think about this? Did David sin? Did David's sin mess up other people's lives? Yeah, it did. I think all of us understand this. Some of you are suffering as a result of someone else's sin. And yet David understood that this was primarily a God thing. It's God's law and commandments that David violated. And maybe you made a financial mistake that just kind of put your family in a, in a lot of financial jeopardy. Maybe you, you, you violated workplace rules and you made a misstep at work. Maybe you made an unwise relationship choice and it's, it's had effect in your life and others. And David knew that when he disobeyed God, 
that his relationship with God was broken. And when your relationship with God is severed, your whole life is a mess. In, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells back-to-back-to-back stories about lost things. Jesus first tells a story about a lost coin, and then he tells a story about a lost sheep, and then the third story, just three in a row with the same punchline about being lost. He tells a story, the third story, about a lost son. And he says, a man had two sons, and one of the sons asked for an early inheritance from his father, and then he took that money and went off and squandered it on wild living. And after he was sick, and after he was tired, and after he was broken, we find in Luke chapter 15, in verse 20. And so this lost son got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And Jesus says, this is the understanding of your relationship with God. And when your relationship with God is broken, life is broken. In, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then in Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin, whether it's big or small, in your estimation, whether it's big or small, your evaluation, your judgment, whether that sin is big or small, it separates us from the love of God. Because God is holy and we're not, our relationship with him breaks. It's severed. The punishment we read here in Romans, the punishment of sin is death. But God loves us. And so he sent Jesus to die in our place on the cross. And when we accept and when we believe and when we trust in Jesus, his payment on the cross, the death of our sins, is paid in full. He saved us from death because of sin. It's the power of the cross in life after forgiveness. It's the power of the cross and it's when your relationship with God God is broken, what do you do? You find that in life after forgiveness. And number three is this, it's the consequences. There are consequences to sin. In verses three and eight, David writes this. He says, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. It's, it's powerful words of, of crushing and and, and of transgression and sin that's always before me. And, and there's other songs that, that David wrote, more, maybe even more deeper emotional songs about his sin. In Psalm 32, verse 1, it says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and whose spirit is no deceit. David writes, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Verse 4, For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and 
did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. This song here, Psalm 32, was written long after Nathan's talk with David. And at this point, David is not dealing with the sin and forgiveness. David's dealing with guilt in his heart here. And that's why he writes Psalm 32. Another one, Psalm 38, verse 4, it says, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I'm bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. Verse 8, I'm feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. All my longings lie open before you, Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pounds. My strength fails me. Even the light has gone from my eyes. My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. My neighbors stay far away. I mean, this is a broken man who's writing these words. And for those of you who aren't feelers, I know this is not your jam. This is not for you. But the reality is, we all have wounds in our life that we're dealing with. And it's really not a forgiveness issue most of the time. It's a guilt issue. And David's helping us deal with the consequences of our sin. Three points on, under uh, number three here. The first is this. Some consequences are dealt with immediately. Some consequences to our sin, they sort of just get dealt with right away. You're self-aware of the things that tempt you, and, and you deal with it as these things come up. A few weeks ago, I, I had an opportunity to, be, to coach up some pastors, and so I drove out to Orange County, and they, they called me to say, would you meet with us? Would you meet with me and my wife? And we just need to talk about some things that are going on with the church, and so I drove out there, and as I'm driving, and I'm, I'm praying, God, I don't even know what all of this is. Just would you use me? Just, I, I just, God, I just want to make myself available to you to use me in, in, in these two. And so we, we got to their office. I, I got to their office, got out of my car. We sat down, and we're talking, and they're pouring their hearts out and talking about all these things. And, and honestly, I know I have experience. I mean, I've, I've been doing this for for 33 years, uh, I tapped into the things I've learned, the education that I have, and I listened, and I was asking these questions to them, and, and sometimes when it, some of these questions that I was asking them, I was thinking, where did you get that from, Dean? I mean, that, that was like, you pulled that one out of nowhere, and they were just the best questions for them. They were like, wow, okay, and they answered that question, got some more insight, and then right towards the end, I, 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 I had this, this, this story that I told them. And I wasn't planning on I, I didn't. This story came from no, it didn't come from nowhere, but I didn't plan it. I didn't have it in my, my back pocket or I wasn't preparing. This sto- I just told them this story and they said, that's it. That, that, this is a God, they said, this is a God moment. God is speaking through you right now. Tears and and uh, silence, just thinking. And we prayed together. We ended that meeting. I got in my car. And I just went, wow. I mean, that was incredible. That was an incredible time. 
And then I'm driving away, and this weird thought comes in my mind. Look how smart you are. Man, you're so good at this. Wow, they were crying, and you didn't, I mean, it was amazing, you know? And then I thought, there you go again, Dean. It's that pride that just gets in your life and ruins some of these moments that I'm using you. And I just confessed it. God, I'm sorry. And it was over immediately. It was just, it, it's over. Just me and God in this car driving home. It's over. It's done. Some consequences are dealt with immediately. Number two, the second one, some consequences are dealt with, and you can guess this, later. Some consequences are dealt with later. These are past sins that still haunt you today. They're just being dealt with in your life today. And you take them to God, and he says, God says, I've forgiven you. Now let's deal with the guilt and the shame and why you're still holding on to that guilt and shame. And some consequences are dealt with immediately. Some are dealt with later. And the third, some consequences will stay with you. Some consequences will stay with you. The, the family is still broken, perhaps. The relationship is still torn apart and unreconciled. And repair is going to take a long time. And it still hurts, and it's still tough. And even now, as I'm speaking these words, you're saying, it hurts still. But God has not left you. In fact, he's drawing close to you to support you and give you the power to work through the pain and the hurt of consequences of sin in your life. You see, we read this. When, when Nathan confronts David and David confesses, Nathan says to David, the Lord has forgiven you. But Nathan also says these words, and you could read this this week in 2 Samuel. Nathan tells David, what you did in secret, David, will be made public. Consequences. And the sword will never leave your house, David. Consequences. Also known as you are forgiven, David, but I'm a God of justice, and there will be consequences to your sin. And I think everyone here could relate. Everyone could relate if we're honest. We all have experienced some consequence, some consequences to our sin. What's life like after forgiveness? Well, we tap into the power of the cross. We understand that a relationship with God is broken and it needs to be repaired. And there are consequences to sin, but where do I find healing from all of this? Number four, healing begins with brokenness and repentance. Healing begins with brokenness and repentance. Verses 16 and 17. David writes, you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not Take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. God, David says, God, I know you don't want religion. God, I know you don't want me to just go the, through the motions of showing up to church on a Sunday and putting on a fake smile, giving fake hugs, singing songs, these words that I really don't mean pretending like I'm listening to this sermon right now and then putting money on that offering plate so that it'll sort of appease you. David says, what you want, God, is a broken heart, an honest heart that's broken. And it's telling God, 
that you're sorry and you ask for forgiveness and that you want to come back. It's all about life after forgiveness where we have to tap into the power of the cross and, and we have to realize our relationship with God was broken when we sinned and there are consequences to that sin and we're going to take responsibility for that. Healing does come with brokenness and with repentance and the last is this. Relationship with God always brings freedom and usefulness again. Relationship with God brings freedom and usefulness. Take a look at these freedom verses, verses 2 and 10 and 12 in Psalm 51. David writes, Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. The cross brings forgiveness to us, but it also brings a great deal of freedom. Our hearts are cleansed, our, our spirit is renewed, and after brokenness and after repentance, God restores that joy of salvation in a spirit that's made willing to follow God again. But there's usefulness, not just freedom, too. <clears throat> These sort of strange verses as this psalm takes a turn after verse 17 and David writes in verses 18 and 19 to close this psalm out. He writes, May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. And I think, what? What? Where did this come from? And I think it's interesting. After sort of the deep emotional rants and confession and crying out to God, David finds freedom. And with that freedom, it leads to a renewed sense of usefulness. So David cries out to God because of all this stuff that he's, he's been convicted of. He gets God's forgiveness. There are consequences, but David says, okay, there's freedom in this, and now I've got work to do. And, and he, he turns to the stewardship of the city is what I find here. He, David says, we have a, a capital campaign that we need to keep working on. It's like our open campaign. He, he says, we need to raise money here to fortify and rebuild the walls to protect the city to make it ready for temple worship again. So it's so strange. You read this psalm and you get these last two verses and you think, what? But that's what forgiveness gives you. The cross brings freedom. There are consequences. And sure, we'll deal with them. And it's emotional and it's deep. But God says, I've forgiven you. I've sent Jesus for you. You have forgiveness and freedom. And now, once again, you're useful for kingdom purposes. And so David writes an emotional song about life after forgiveness. And from this tune, we learn about the power of the cross. When your relationship with God is broken, what do you, go, what do, you do from here? There are consequences to sin. Some are immediate, some are later, and some will stay with you. And healing begins with a broken heart and honest repentance before God. But when all of that takes place, relationship with God always brings freedom and usefulness. May the people of Nova be people of honesty and authenticity. May we be people that are broken before God and repentant as we discover freedom and usefulness after forgiveness. Let's pray together.